Just take a moment to admire the fact I just hit a fairway. There's, there's, there's only two things that can happen. You can hit a good shot or a bad shot, so why waste time doing it? And where I would go, I, wherever I set course records or whatever, I would be barefooted, drunk, playing golf, making every 20-footer I looked at. Right at it. Right at it! Oh! John He's done it again! This is the dumbest hole I've ever played in my life. Come on then, Shane. Knock it close. Shane Lowry is the Open champion. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Fairy Finders. Uh, we wanted to do a little quick uh, introduction before we got started on this uh, podcast. So uh, we have a special guest, Mr. Lawrence Donegan, joining us. Um, Lawrence is a very respected journalist, author, um, podcaster as well. Um, and he's joined us all the way from um, around Northern California, I believe he has said, lads, wasn't it? Correct. That's right. Can I just can I just caveat? So this, like, where we've recorded the podcast, this is a little kind of primer for you guys. But um, like Lawrence Donegan has been like my one of my favorite sports journalists for a long, long time. Um, he's been on second captains a bunch of times. Um, if you're a fan of second captains, we had great chats about US Murph at the start and the end of the pod. Um, this was just such a fun conversation. Lawrence is a legend. We talked about all sorts. We talked college golf. We talked about Tiger. We talked about Saudi. Um, we had so much fun. Um, and we're just hugely grateful to Lawrence for for coming on. And obviously, it'll like hopefully be the first of many. Um, yeah. yeah, it was a great chat, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. We could have talked to the guy for about three hours, but Brew, what, what did you say to us there a minute ago? What was your? I said I think uh, I I think so far in terms of all the podcast guests we've we've had on, he tops my list for person I want to go grab a point with. Definitely beautiful. Yeah, I love it, and it, yeah. hopefully Lawrence will have a little chuckle now at that. And uh, yeah, boys, I think that's that's probably as much as we can say on it. No, yeah. jump in. Enjoy this one, lads. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of actually really interesting context about caddying, um, about life as a journalist, about sort of the state of golf at the minute. Like, if you're a golf fan, you're listening. Well, at least I hope you're a golf fan. Um, it would make no fucking sense if you weren't. If you weren't. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, enjoy this one. Um, because uh, we we had a blast, and I think you guys will too. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Fairy Finders. It is episode number 30, and for such a big episode, we had to get a big guest on. So we have gotten Mr. Lawrence Donegan. How are you doing, Lawrence? How are you doing, Ebru? Uh, I wouldn't go as quite far to call me a big guest, but uh, happy to come uh, on. Uh, good to chat. No, yeah. for, for, for a three, like, really, like, real massive golf nerds, this is... This is yeah. uh, an absolute genuine pleasure for us. So, uh, and as well, like, thanks for facilitating. I know you're uh, quite a few thousand miles away in uh, sunny ish California. Uh, Northern California, a little town called Mill Valley, very close to, uh, I'm about five minutes walk to the famous US Murph for the second captain's uh, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so he's an old pal of mine, Murph. Uh, he is a, uh, well, I'm trying to think what I'd call him. He coaches every youth sport in the world in Mill Valley. He's a famous coach for everything. He's absolutely fantastic. Jack he of all trades. Larger than life kind of character. Anytime, um, anytime I get a ping on Patreon, seeing the US Murph is, uh, is on having a chat, then uh, it's straight into my ears. Well, well I tell you what, the smartest man I know by a well, country mile. The guy has a photographic memory. It's astonishing. He does this uh, morning show here in KNBR, and his recall of movies from the 1980s and 1990s 
is astonishing. <laughs> and he is, I, before I even forget, he is a fantastic journalist. I know Murph from, I came here in 2000, sorry, we're deviating already. There I came go. here in 2001 or something. And Murph was the golf correspondent in the San Francisco Chronicle. And the reason, the way we met, I wrote him an email just saying how much I enjoyed a piece. He was at the 2003 Open at Muirfield and he wrote this diary item. This is amazing. This is great journalism. This is 19 years ago and I can still recall it. It was a two paragraph diary item about a, a Chinese restaurant slash discotheque in Gullen. <laughs> it was the funniest thing. I, I, I can still remember it, you know. Uh, so anyway, US Murph, good guy, good pal. Legends, yeah. That's where, um, that's where I live. Unreal. Yeah. And um, while you mentioned them um, great pieces of of uh, writing there, Lawrence, can we can we chat about your two books um that, that you've written? Um so one obviously when you were following Ross Drummond around for a year and, yep. and the second one um the the Ryder Cup in the Belfry and and yep. wanted to be Lee Westwood's caddy and ended up marshalling the uh, the event. So maybe if we if we start off with the the nineteen ninety six following Ross Drummond around for a year and, yep. and caddying, can you talk us through that and, and what it was like and maybe a bit about the reception from other players as, as this journalist coming following us all around yep. the place? Like what what was that like back in in ninety six? Well, well, let me just just go slightly before that. It's interesting for people who are interested in books and wanting to write books. I mean, that was basically a stolen idea. I stole that idea from a book called To the Linksland by a guy called Michael Bamberger, who you guys might have heard of. He worked for Sports Illustrated for years. And he wrote this book. He came for a really interesting guy called Peter Teravanian. Teravanian was a Buddhist. He was a kind of preeminent Buddhist golfer. He played on the Asian tour, but he came to Europe and Bamberger carried, carried his bag for a year. But it was 90 pages of carrying his bag. And then it was the kind of golf writing I hate. It was 250 pages of searching for the soul of golf. You know, I just thought, oh, what a shite that is. But, <laughs> but, the, but the, 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 the caddying thing was brilliant. I thought, wow, because that's a really good idea for a book. So I pitched the idea to the Guardian sports editor. And, and the, the Guardian's golf correspondent at the time was a guy called Di Davis, the great, late, late great Di Davis. And Di, I said to Di, can you find me a player? Uh, and I'll caddy for nothing. So Di came back a week later and said, well, this guy called Ross Drummond, he'll happily have you on the bag for a week. And um, and the big th- the big appeal is it's free. It's Ross is pretty tight with money. He didn't, he didn't like to spend money. So he got a free caddy. So I went along, I wrote a piece for The Guardian, um, and I caddied for a week at the French Open. And lo and behold, Ross finished 19th that week. No, 13th. And on the Sunday afternoon, we played with Jose... Yeah, more than decent. I mean, on Sunday we, we played with Jose Maria Alathabal. I couldn't, but I mean, I was shitting myself, absolutely <laughs> shitting myself. Because Alathabal subsequently came to know him a little bit, decent guy and all that, but oof, he's pretty stern. I bet, you know, especially so in, in game mode anymore. as well. Yeah, in game mode. Oh, absolutely. And his, yeah, game faces on. That wasn't afterwards his, in the bar. Like. Uh, his uh, caddy at the time was, again, uh, now dead, uh, Davy Rennick. Really, for, you know, caddy for uh, for VJ, the famous 2000 and right. 2004 yeah. when he won 11 times. Uh, Davey bought a few f- flats in Portobello in Edinburgh on the, the, the basis of the money that, um, that VJ gave him. Anyway, so the piece appeared and I've I got a ton of publishers contacting me. So I went off, chatted to Ross and went off and he was kind of into it because his, his career was floundering. He was a great player, brilliant ball striker. The year before I caddied, he was 11th in ball striking, and I was a better putter than him. 
And at the time, I was maybe a 10 handicapper, and we'd have putting competitions, and I would beat them. I mean, no, that's I, how it was. It was, it was, it was kind of sad. Anyway, it was actually fantastic, you know, pretty exciting. You, you know, you get some, I got some legal absence from my job at The Guardian, and, and off you go. Uh, when I look back at it now, I, I just think, God, I might, there was no planning, you know, and it was, I think the lives of caddies are, are much more glamorous these days and much more feather bedded. But at the time, it was basically get on a plane, get your arse to South Africa and, you know, find a place, get your arse to Morocco and, you know, find a place in Rabat to stay. I mean, it really was, it was, it was pretty raw, but it was great. It was great. But I mean, I knew I was, it wasn't, I wasn't going to make it my life. Um, so I kind of could st stand it. But, I, you know, as the book kind of relates, the longer you go on, the, the more wearisome you get. It it can be, there's various ups and downs. And I, the thing that I struggled with most, I, I, I couldn't, the idea of of making decisions for a guy, the guy's playing for his living, and I just couldn't cope with that. And mentally, I couldn't take it. Yeah. Which is, I have huge admiration for these guys. Like Stevie Williams, what a caddy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, he's, I mean, he, I'm toying with a guy's living, but he's toying with history. And to have the balls to stand there and say, pull a club off a guy, it's, it's phenomenal. The, uh, I think people, the reception of the book was really quite good. Yeah. I, I haven't spoken to Ross for quite a while. I remember reading an interview with him a couple of years later in the Sunday Times of Scotland. And he said, yeah, Donegan wasn't a good caddy for me. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> didn't cost you anything, well, pal. Didn't cost, didn't cost you anything. And you, he went from 438th in the world to 152nd. There you go. Actually, you go. one of the great, great, one of the untold stories was that I, I, I'd always arranged... Ross, I'm taking this week off. I've got to go to Donegal and, and do get part of the book written. So I'll be off that week. It was a British something at uh, up in up near Newcastle. It wasn't close house at the time. It was another one up there. And he said, "Don't worry about it. I'll um, I'll just get a local caddy. So that's fine. So I'm sitting in Donegal in my writing billet, uh, chiseling away at this work at this book. And guess who's leading going into the final day? Is Ross right. Drummond, oh, and I swear to God, and I'm thinking, I've got this book, and I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, I'm in trouble here. You know, the biggest event of this guy's life, he's never won on the European Tour. I'm meant to be the caddy, and I'm not there. And I remember falling, remember CFAX, Teletext? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> the football scores <laughs> on a Saturday. Yeah, four, 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 still remember yeah. the numbers. I actually yeah. do still remember the BBC yeah. numbers. <laughs> the, uh, Following golf and teletext, willing. Fortunately, Ratif Goosen got hold an 18 footer on the last to knock Ross out of a playoff. <laughs> That's Jesus a terrible admission. <laughs> so that, but that was I'll never. You know, that was Goosen. Goosen was a he was a kind of unknown. You know, everybody was obsessed with Ernie Else. Else is going to be every the kind of insiders knew Goosen was a player. He won, that was, he won two, mate. Like he won Shinnecock, didn't he? he? Yeah, he won, he won Shin and he won and he won the one in the playoff where he missed a um he missed a two footer on a Sunday to go into a playoff against Mark Brooks. I think it yeah. would be uh I can't remember two thousand one or something maybe yeah something like maybe it and it was like I I wasn't there as a journalist but I, it's a famous story because it's Southern Hills in the arse end of nowhere. Tulsa's actually not a bad place, but. Uh, and it's <laughs> all the British boys are there, all the European boys, all the they're all there, and they're willing to just get hold of this two footer and let everybody get out of town. This is a shocking, 
a shocking US Open to report that sports desk aren't interested because it's two no marks. And uh, and Goosen misses it. And apparently the the collective wailing and gnashing of teeth when he misses the, the two-footer uh, two footer to have a, a Monday playoff between Mark Brooks and Ratheith Goosen. Jesus. Absolutely one of the great stories. Anyway, uh, yeah, uh, good player. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And to, to go back to the, the experience as a caddy, right? So a, a quick story for you. So I, myself and Donnie were over at the DP World Tour, as we said, and um, we got to go to the, the bar, the hotel bar after, and we were chatting to, a, we won't name the players' caddies, but a couple of the high-profile caddies, we were sitting down having yep. a few points with them, and they were pretty open to chatting to us, but at the same time, they're a little bit sceptical, like, who the fuck are these two lads? Like, uh, yeah. Did you notice that kind of vibe, you know, coming that you were like a, a journalist or was everyone thinking you were, you know, was it well known that you were doing this as a journalist or was it yeah. kind of, okay. No, no, it, it was it was well known and pe- people were a bit, you know, I remember the time guys who became good pals at Billy Foster, you know, you know high profile guys even back then. They were pretty kind of standoffish, but but you know you're you're three months in and you're kind of falling out the back of a camper van, you know, <laughs> to walk up to the club. I mean, guys kind of saw that, respected. But what was it was interesting was afterwards, you know. So I did the book. The book came out. It was a, I mean, it's still in in print. I mean, that book has sold like a couple hundred thousand copies or something. It's still in print, and um, uh, you know, and the relationship I had with caddies afterwards having worked for them it was quite it was quite an odd one you know right. i was kind of in i was in but i wasn't quite in uh i used to be in but now you're out because well, you know did, there is a kind of God, they, sorry, had a, they, they had some sort they did they think you're a charlatan of some sort no or? no 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 but there is a there's quite a lot of stuff goes on yeah that you know, especially now I mean, I'm very friendly with a couple of caddies and they'll tell me stuff, but, but you know, you would never kind of repeat it simply because there's a lot of stake for these guys. Mm-hmm. These jobs are, you know, back, you know, back then it was, you know, if you were making, you would get probably 500 quid up front and whatever the percentages were. Now it's, you know, it's fortunes. It's yeah. private, private. If you've got a really good bag, if you've got a top 20 in the world bag, you're staying in the same hotel as your player, you're probably flying in these, you know, I'm sure Harry Diamond hasn't flown, you know, commercial in the United States long, for a very long, long time. time. Yeah. 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 Um, so, uh, you know, these, yeah, it, yeah, it's it's a certainly a different relationship now. I, actually, I, I would be really interested in doing another book, uh, you know, kind of similar, but the idea of actually getting a bag on on a, either the European tour or the, the PGA tour is, is hilarious. It would just never happen. Yeah, you need to be kind of in from the start, don't you? And uh, Would you you think that, and I would imagine the answer to this is yes, but I don't know, but 20 years ago, being a caddy is probably a lot different to now. I mean, if you think of the data that's available to caddies and the technology, like it's it's like so many different professions have totally transformed in 20 years. I'm sure that's another one. Uh, Yeah, and also the stakes are higher. You know, if I'm a... I mean, if I'm a professional, if I'm Ross Drubbin circa 2022, you know, am I, and I'm on the DP World Tour or the European Tour, am I really going to put, have a journalist on the bag for a year? Mm. No, yeah, it's a lot. A risk. lot yeah. Well, I, I, don't, I don't know what the number is now, but I remember at the time when, to make your card in 1996, you know, to get a top uh, top 115 on the European Tour at the end of the year, I think it was about... I want to say 65 grand. Wow. Something Jeez. like that. You know, now it's, 
100 i think it's 250 300 maybe 400,000 yeah 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 so, yeah. Yeah. so uh, uh, there's a yeah there's a lot at stake yeah and if if we fast forward and Lawrence from from book yeah. 1 um where where you got the experience as a caddy and, and you yeah. mentioned there was maybe a little bit of um maybe not the, the best relate like you know you were saying some of them were you thought you were in but not quite in with yeah. the caddies and then you went yeah. to try and get in uh for the Ryder Cup do you think that might have yeah. affected it at all you like I, I heard the excuse was that you weren't a good enough player in the selection process but do you think there might have been a bit of backlog from that first time as a caddy looking I, back on yeah I, I I I think people in the industry couldn't believe uh, what appeared right you know in the sense that it was pretty revelatory, really. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it really was. I mean, it was far from glamorous. And I, I'm guessing, I've always gotten well. I mean, you've just had your own experience. You guys have just had your own experience with the European Tour. The people at the European Tour are generally really great. Yeah, uh, you know, and you'll find it. Totally, totally to be the case. Every And yeah. it's a village and everybody is very helpful and amenable. And like, they, they, they love their story in terms of we're essentially just golf fanatics who decided yeah. to put a mic in front of our lips and started talking, you know, and for whatever reason, it seems to be going pretty well. So the, uh, the, uh, but you'll find out how great the people who work at European tour are when you, when you ever have to deal with the PGA tour. <laughs> then we were told this so often, Lawrence, <laughs> yeah. this was said to us in a hundred different ways by a hundred different people that week, honestly, just in, in terms of the enjoyable, even the atmosphere that yeah. the PGA tour is, is, has become extremely corporate now. Obviously, all the sponsors Very. have a lot of skin in the game financially, and they they run that ship. Yeah, the uh, yeah, and uh, I mean, I haven't been out. I mean, I don't cover the tour regularly anymore. But uh, you know, this the Pelly guy has been. I think he's been phenomenal. But we had him on the McKellar podcast, and I swear to God, he was he was brilliant. And he, I got we got a note from him afterwards saying, you know how you know he kind of opened his eyes to podcasts. You know, I thought it was pretty. The idea of getting Tim Monahan or whatever, or not Tim Monahan, Jay Monahan, hey, Monahan I get yeah. confused between Tim Fincher. Yeah, getting him on a podcast where it's not, you know, pre-approved questions, and I mean, it's just not going to happen, is it? No. Um. No. So no, no. I, yeah. I, I guess you, you. You know, I'm I'm proud of that book. You know, and I, I'm proud of the second one. Actually, I did a, a, a couple of non-golf books. I, the reason I'm in California, I came here to write a book about used car salesmen. So you might want to yeah. look that one up. It's yeah, quite, yeah, it's quite a laugh. Um, you did the one on Shergar as well, the, the legend. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I'm still doing it. Um, anyway, we'll not talk about that. That's a that's a lot, an ongoing saga. Um, <laughs> oh, damn it, Steve! It's not a pre-approved question. Oh yeah, well, don't worry. We'll, <laughs> no, 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 yeah, you, yeah, no, no. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I'm doing that, but I'd love to. There's actually a couple of people have said to me, "You want to come out?" But I, I, do I really, does anyone really want to read a book about the Challenge Tour? Or you know, I did. Oh, so we we were chatting to to uh, John Murphy's agent yesterday, Emma. Yeah, and you know, Emma was you're making it very clear, like that. Yeah, when you're top fifty in the world, this is an incredibly glamorous, beautiful, you know, yeah. lifestyle. But I think most of the best narratives in golf exist below that. They exist in the grind. That um um, what was his first name? Uh, Visaki. There at um, didn't Justin Thomas. Yeah, didn't Justin Thomas gave him a dig out because and it, this wasn't a PR play from JT, at least I don't think it was. I think it was a guy realizing how bloody hard it is to provide for your family and, and take this yeah. risk. 
and I I think they're the narratives that we want that we want to dig into and we want to go after because they're and they're more relatable too. You know, you want someone to struggle and and, and then find something whether it's in their game. Like yeah. the story of twenty twenty one for me has to be Richard Bland. Don't know about you guys. Yeah. Um, the uh, well, that's why the, the, that Monday Q info guy on Twitter. Brilliant. I, I don't know if you brilliant. It's, yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. He's great. brilliant idea. Yeah, yeah. a really uh, good idea and lo- lots of stories. Uh, although, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think it's a kind of. I mean, who wants? Uh, um, well, that was a thing about Four Iron. You know, it was a kind of. You know, you want some kind of some redemption. You want a journey, don't you? I yeah. mean, it's not. You know, Jordan Spieth, brilliant golfer as a kid. Finishes fourth in a PGA Tour event when he's 17, turns pro. Actually, he missed his card. He missed the first stage of Q school the first time he went out, but then oh, got hey. his card on. Yeah, he did. Uh, people forget that. Uh, but I mean, there's there's not much uh, there's not much failure in the Jordan the, the arc of Jordan Spieth's uh, yeah. career. But not until you know, he became recently. a lot more relatable. Yeah. Like I I think he's a lot more likable having gone through that huge downswing. No pun intended, and then come back obviously yeah the Bahamas didn't go very well from but that's one week of the year it's a bit of a yeah it seems like a bit of a dos out there 20 players in the sunshine kind of knocking around yeah. well as my son pointed out my, our kid's a bit of a player he was going look at that 20 or 100 grand imagine that you know, I know. trapping and you get 100 grand I mean that's that's how golf is transformed yeah you know and and it's going to get. It's going to get. It's hard to see how it's not going to get uh, even more. Uh, you know, there's even. I mean, everybody wants to throw money. Uh, to me personally, it's. I'm quite bemused. You know, why would a uh, why would FedEx spend a hundred million a year on on the PGA Tour? I, I don't quite get it. I don't see the uh, the corporate uh, advantages that come from that. I mean, it's an incredible investment. Yeah. And for what? Yeah. Well, all that goes way above my head. Donnie's the marketing guy here on the on the pod, so maybe he can shed some some light on it. But uh, the the last question I want to ask you on the the book side of thing, Lawrence, before we kind of chat a little bit about uh, yep. Keller and, and what you're doing now, um, how was that experience as a as a martial at a Ryder Cup? Were you did you find yourself oh, like br- unbelievable? Really? Ah, <laughs> oh, brilliant. Well, I nabbed the best spot in the whole place. You know, right behind. Uh, you know, right behind the tenth tee. Yeah, I saw the picture uh, of you. I was, uh, what a hole. That was a well, yeah, well, you can see that. You can see them trying to hit that fade. You can all, that's where you find out who they can really hit the ball. That was yeah. a phenomenal Ryder Cup. There was some amazing stories, and I happened to get in some good spots. Like Monty played uh, Scott Hoke on the Sunday morning. Mon- oh, Monty was phenomenal that week. Monty's an absolute arse, by the way, but what a <laughs> player. What an absolute player. And the other one <laughs> was Philip Price. I, I don't know if you guys are ever about Philip Price beating um, Phil. Nicholson. Unbelievable. Oh, One of my favorite absolutely. moments of that week. And oh, even he, it, it was like, um, do you know what it reminded me of? This is a really obscure Liverpool reference. But do you remember Igor Bishkan? He would have been a midfielder in like the early 2000s. He was rubbish, bless him. He scored a 25-yard <laughs> top corner goal at Craven Cottage. And his celebration was he turned around and kind of shrugged his shoulders because even he was surprised. And, uh, Philip Price had the same kind of expression when he beat Phil. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I, I, I'm standing off to the beside the 16th and Mickelson comes off and he gets in a cart and he goes, what, what's happened? Yeah. And the guy says, well, we've lost. And he went, oh, oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> I say, Philip Price is a hell of a player. He was a good player, Phil Price, back in the day. 
Uh, and I think he's made a few quid on the Legends Tour, whatever they call it now. I yep. mean, really. Uh, anyway, that was a yeah, that was a that was a really cool week. I kind of got lucky again that week. And did you prefer the the caddying looking back on it? Oh, uh, to- no, to- yeah, no, no, caddying. Yeah, I prefer the caddying, obviously. Yeah. The uh, I had I've actually had a couple of offers to go out. Um, there was a pal. I, I, I was meant to caddy for Meg McLaren uh, in the Symmetra Tour. Just as the, as the pandemic broke, I was going up to Cat. Meg was coming to, I don't know if you know Meg. She writes a fantastic blog. Yeah, um, I, I follow her. Yeah. We follow her on Twitter, shall I say. She yeah, she's excellent. Uh, but the pandemic put paid to that. So that was my that was my big chance to get maybe Caddy. She's actually playing in the LPGA qualifying school this week. Uh, and she got through the first, well, she, she made the cut. I tell you what, even in the women's golf, the standards now absolutely incredible and the money that's coming into women's golf not before time i hasten to add yeah um yeah it's uh it's quite a profession these days yeah, yeah Lawrence, that's something and it's maybe a little bit off topic but something i'd love to speak about in that yeah i see i, I suppose i yeah technically i'm the marketing guy of the operation in terms of my other career but um the uh the the women's game just seems so much more relatable to me. Like if you're like, if you're, you know, your standard club golfer, I think as a product, maybe you can speak to your views. And I think the women's game, there's, there is an argument in certain areas that the women's game as an entertainment product could be better in, in uh, terms of its relatability, in terms of it's, there's no, this bomb and gouge notion, notion is kind of ruining the spectacle in places and the, the nuance of golf and needing to think your way around the course. When you see, Leon Maguire hitting a hybrid into four feet with 180 yards. You're like, wow. Yeah. That's, I can compute how good that is. In her first all Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, uh, I've all long held this view. Uh, I went, I, I was here in 2003, living in the States, and I went, to, Annika was going to go and play in the uh, PGA Tour. So I had to go down and interview her or something at, at Las Vegas. I've never been in an LPGA Tour event. And, as soon as you start on the premises at an LP, it's just the colours. Everybody's dressed brilliantly. Everybody looks fantastic. The colours are kind of just different, and there's a bit of bit of life about it. Uh, it uh, yeah. Uh, so that's really, uh, and you're dead right, uh, Donny, about the uh, relatability in terms of, of golf. So I'll tell you a story. This summer, we uh, we live in San, near San Francisco, so we got uh, tickets for the, um, me and the wee man, we got tickets for the US Women's Open at uh, Olympic Club. And we went along, I swear to God, it was the best. We went back the next day. We loved it so much. Uh, the golf, the golf swings, Jesus Christ. Unreal. Unreal. Yeah. Unbelievable. Nelly Corda. Oh, my. Yeah. And she, <laughs> I mean, she not... sends us. She is, uh, she absolutely bombs us. Uh, uh, who's the Chinese? Oh, my God, she's retired now. I mean, she looks like a housewife. But what a golfer. I <laughs> Um, not nothing wrong with looking like a housewife. That's probably came out the wrong way, but you know what I mean. You know, no, she, looks like she just on her slipper, had on her slippers or whatever. But anyway, we absolutely loved it. You're right, relatable. Everybody, you know, everybody looks great. Everybody's interacting with fans. It's a major championship, mm. and people are still. And you get to see. We followed Rose Zhang. You know, I don't know if you know Rose Zhang is. Uh, she won the US Women's. She's now a freshman at Stanford. Uh, she went. She won her first. Played four tournaments, played four wins. Jesus. <laughs> what a play! She's the yeah, next. She's the next big one. Uh, she's she could yeah. be the one. Yeah. Um. Uh. Anyway, it was it was absolutely brilliant, and we went back the next day, 
I, I, you know, and you know, everybody, the players are relatable. They're, they're interacting with fans. It was really, really good. And I, I, you know, if I'm a corporate, if I'm a CEO of some corporate entity, I'm piling my money into, I, I think I'm piling my money into the LPG tour because I think I get more back than I do from, especially, you, you know, you go at a champions tour event, Jesus Christ, these guys are stealing money. I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I'm not being funny, but, but there's a, they've appeared, you know, just a bunch of grumpy, bitter. I guess golf at professional level for 30, 40 years maybe does that to you. I mean, maybe it can be pretty stressful. Yeah, yeah. It wears you down. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the LPG Tour is is really coming. Yeah, and that Solheim Cup we just watched this year as well was oh. as, as good as anything that's been on TV. I, goes, Leo, actually, I, I go I go, um, I go, go quite a lot to college events here. I mean, I love to go to golf. I, I go, you know, I saw Leona playing for Duke. Yes. Oh, um, yeah, I I've seen God. I, I mean, Morikawa playing for Cal. Uh, Matt Will playing for Oklahoma State. I've seen them all. Because where was Hovland? Uh, Hovland. Was uh, Hovland was at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma? With Matt, with yeah. Matt Will. Yeah. Uh, Oklahoma. Oh, big mistake. Oklahoma State. You better be. You'll get the Oklahoma. Oh yeah. Oh, oh, that's like I just did but, the United um, City, didn't I? We'll tag a minute. But 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 the the you know. You're watching Morikawa, you know, two years later, he's number whatever in the world. It's, uh, yeah. So I've kind of, I've kind of drifted away from PGA Tour golf. You know, I'm much more into kind of LPGA in the sense of if I want to go and watch a golf tournament. And what I love about college golf is these guys are the, the best in the world, but you and women are the best in the world, and you can you can walk down the fairways with them. Yeah, I, I mean, you're. I am standing behind, you know, Matt Wolf watching the ball flight of his, you know, three iron from two sixty or whatever. Uh, it's it's really it's a great, you know, if it, if you're ever if anybody's ever in the states and there's a college event, you're into golf, go and watch a college event because you will be you'll be blown away by the yeah. standard and and you'll have the chance, you know, two or three years later to say, you know, I saw Matt Wolf when he was X, Y, or Z. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I saw him before he was popular, like Donnie likes to do about all the bands that he, he goes to see. But oh. uh, I tell you that <laughs> you, unsolicited abuse there. Ah, yeah, I, I, I always try to I always try to get my cheap shots in. But um, no, you give, <laughs> give me a nice segue opportunity here now because I heard you talking about um, that aspect. Um, Lawrence of go, going to see the, you know, the college golf over the yep. or on your recent podcast on McKellar. Um, with yep. Jeff, Jeff Shackelford and, and Mark Canazaro. So can you give us a little bit for, for the listeners that might not be too familiar with McKellar, what it's all about? And I think you might have yep. a little bit of a, a discount treat for them as well if they... Oh, they that's right. Talk. Yeah, Christopher, I forgot about that. Yeah, uh, so <laughs> McKellar magazine is meant to be like uh, a literary golf journal. Uh, can I hide... I'm selling it really badly. I, I'll keep this very short. Anyway, just lots of great writing about kind of stuff that's not PG Tour related. Uh, I wrote a piece about uh, junior golf. I wrote a piece about parents in junior golf in the, the latest issue. Um, Shackleford, Jeff Shackleford, I'm sure many of your listeners know who Jeff Shackleford is. He, he, yeah. he, he, he writes about golf course architecture for us. Mike Clayton, uh, everything you need. You know, it's that kind of end of things. So it's kind of stuff that you, you wouldn't read in, you know, Brian Q's great coverage in the indoor, whatever. I see Brian, I'm trying to persuade Brian to write a piece for us. But that's another subject. Anyway, it's that kind of thing, and really nice illustrations. I'd like to think world class golf writing with you know world class golf writers. Uh, it's just a really cool little package. We're, you know, we're not trying to break the bank. Uh, we're not trying to you know to replace Golf Digest or or whoever. But it's a, a pretty cool little product, and I'm just really proud. 
because times have been hard for golf journalists, really mm. tough. I mean, for any journalist, the industry has been decimated. Um, so we do, we pay them pretty well. I'm really proud of that. We don't pay ourselves very well, but we pay everybody else really well. So it's a kind of giving back. I feel it's like it's giving back a little bit to golf. And as I say, it's a really, it's pretty popular. You know, we've gone from a stand and start to about circulation three, three and a half, four thousand. So that's, uh, it's pretty good. Uh, yeah. So if you've got, um, if anybody's interested, mckellarmagazine.com. And in conjunction with my good pal, Mr. Jeff Shackelford, uh, he's, uh, I've given him a discount code for all the subscribers to his uh, newsletter, the quad. So if you go to mckellarmagazine.com and, uh, dis- and you type in a discount code quad 20, you get 20% off issues the four and five. And we do a box set, which is beautiful for a nice Christmas present. That's Perfect. it. No more yeah. selling. Love it. Yeah. We'll, we'll stick I'm that sold. in the, the description. You have me sold anyway. Well, I mean, there you go. Sold before we, we started recording and long since before we even had this day, but uh, yeah, no, yeah. I, I, I just, I, cause I second the motion. I think, um, so the passion and the love for the game really comes through yeah. in all of your content and it's, it's content written for the right reasons. So you spoke about like the hard times in terms of journalism and there's a myriad of different aspects to that. I think, quality being a real problem in the sense that yeah from a race to the bottom of salacious divisive nonsense clicks well advertising revenue did, um, you boys are there you boys are there in dubai i mean rory did you see the rory interview about his oh rip shirt, yeah. they're right let's fucking rip shirt and, he, and yeah. he never he never ever gets out of whack in that situation because he never like He's well, he's very well trained in media circles, but he's also very natural. And yeah, I totally fell from it. It was like, will you get over it? We we yeah, were yeah. we were there on, on 15 following him. And he's after yeah. bunkers. So 15 is a really peculiar hole on the earth course. It's yeah. like bunkers everywhere, 370, 18 different ways of doing it. And he's just bombed one past everything, 340, hits the yeah. flag flush, puts it in a bunker, and he's 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 looking at a, at a flag that's 10 feet above him and if you're it, like, if you're not ripping your shirt off, you're not snapping a club, and that's happening. Then, <laughs> yeah. then, I mean, you've totally, you've you, you've you've totally gone past any enjoyment or any reality in golf, you know, because that's was, how I justify it. Just ripping, awful. ripping my shirt as well, Donny, after after packing <laughs> him that week. Do you know what I mean? So, um, it ha- happens to the best of us. But uh, just on that mention of Rory, I know you had him on your your podcast as well, yeah. Lauren. So, how how do you like the whole um hosting of a podcast? That whole side of it is it something you enjoy? compared to the more traditional forms of, of media or what, what are your, your takes I, on I am a, I'm a podcast addict. I'm an absolute what? podcast addict. Um, I don't uh, so much golf podcast, but there's a, there's some, we did McKellar. It was just me and Huggy, Huggy, John Huggin, an old pal of mine. And you know, Huggy's, Huggy's been around for centuries and Huggy was a proper player. What you find when you're hanging around with uh, professional golf, hang, not that I hang around with professional golfers, they really respect guys who can play. Right. You know, they, t- they talk guys who can play, they talk to them a little bit differently. So Huggy was a guy who played for Scotland in the same era as Montgomery. So, no, and the guys know, so the guys know, like guys like Lee Westwood and all that, they know Huggy, they know Huggy can play and they just talk to him a little bit differently. So Huggy's got, you know, so he said, well, let's get a bunch of players. And we did a run there through the pandemic. We had some unbelievable guests. I don't know. Have you had Harrington on yet? Oh, we'd love to if you can hook us up. So the biggest reason I I want him on for a million reasons, but I actually, I actually want to talk to him about 
I don't know if you've noticed, there's a tiny little project that he's doing in Marley Park in Dublin. Brilliant. It Brilliant. is genius. And it is just, I can't wait for it. It's going to be ready in April. It's like yeah. 3,000 square feet. It's like about seven greens all rolled into one. And you just rock yeah. up with a putter and a golf ball and away you go. And I love yeah. it. Yeah. Simple. Um, and he does this good, great, good stuff at Maynooth. Doesn't he, doesn't he uh, donate yeah. to the, co- the college as well, the program there? That's right. Well, that's yeah. probably the epicenter of like Irish college golf, which doesn't really... It's not really on the radar in the context of US golf, but Manute do a lot of good stuff. Yeah. The uh, t- a quick story about Harrington. Uh, so he wins the he wins his majors two thousand and seven. He wins the Open, then wins the Open again, then wins the PGA. Then wins the PGA. Yeah. So they, I'm I'm living in here. I'm working for the I'm the Guardian's golf correspondent, and they say, "Oh, can you get Harrington? He's in San Francisco. He's playing some blah 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 some tournament." So I've arranged with Harrington and. It's a Saturday night and I'm at the hotel and he's late and he comes in and I'm just leaving. He walks in and he's like, oh, Jesus, I've got a half an hour late, Lawrence. I'm really, really sorry, but can you do it? And I say, yeah, no bother. You know, I've still got to, but, you know, I swear to God, this guy, three-time major champion, right? Eventually, I had to say to a three-time major champion, listen, Pori, I've got to go. I'm meeting my wife for dinner. <laughs> the, guy, the guy is phenomenal, phenomenal. Yeah. And again, I'm sure people, he's done great podcast. The podcast he did with us was incredible. It was an hour and 45. It was the, the insight. I mean, the guy is, gives so much, you know. Genuine and as well. Genuine, you know. And, and well, you, you read this stuff through the years. But I mean, Kimmage has done some great stuff with yeah. with Paul Rigg. Uh, everybody's done some great stuff with Paul Rigg. Uh, phenomenal. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah. But Rory was, we did Rory. We got a call. We got a call. We got an email from Rory. Hey, can I come on the podcast? You're like, what? what? No way. You're like, what? We, no, I, we what? better check our junk. <laughs> Maybe it's in our junk emails. We haven't seen it yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it must be on a junk mail. Yeah. Uh, so it came in. Uh, Huggy got an email from him one morning. Yeah, I've listened to the podcast with Dennis Pugh. Uh, and, you know, and yeah, I'll come on. So, <laughs> so uh, Rory's on, and uh, anyway, that was we figured that we can't really top that an hour and 45 minutes of Rory McElroy on the McKellar Golf Podcast. So, uh, yeah, so we kind of backed off after that, didn't let other people, you know, there's lots of great, great, great golf podcasts, really, really good ones. Yeah, no, for yeah. sure. And uh, who's, who's been your favorite guest you've had on? Who is if you can pick one? Ah, uh, that has to be Rory because, yeah, you know. But plus, do you know what I think he liked? Uh, this is a tip. Tip. It was uh, uh, the, I asked him about the Mullingar Scratch Cup. There was a story I read years ago. It was on Brian Keogh's site about uh, Rory had said mentioned that he was driving home with his dad after winning the Mullingar Scratch Cup, and he says to his dad, "You know, I, I want to give up. I'm fed up with golf. I'm burnt out." Uh, it was just a really good, good you know, really interesting story. I, I think guys, you know, appreciate that kind of stuff. You know. Rory yeah. McIlroy, who's going to ask Rory McIlroy about the Mullingar Scratch Cup? You know, no, yeah. nobody is. Yeah, they you want know, to ask about him ripping his shirt, basically, like, isn't it? They want to ask about his ripping his shirt. But, uh, yeah. yeah, no, he was, uh, and some really interesting stuff on Trump, uh, mm. which got him into trouble. Yeah, you know, I, I can, why would anybody notice? But Rory hasn't done a podcast since. <laughs> that <laughs> that is where... Well, okay, right. The, I, the dots have just joined now in my head. I yeah. actually wasn't aware that it was... Yeah, yeah. I, I suppose... That's that's the quote unquote risk 
that that players take when they come on these kind of free form conversations like it, it's not a, like i think podcasts are because you have that time to flesh things out and actually yeah. yeah develop context and develop narrative they're just so much better and i think i actually think they're a lot safer because you don't have this two minutes um one question and a, a journalist in that realm is just looking for a hook is looking for yeah. something that he can sink his teeth in and then take out of context and when i say a journalist a shit journalist um but the the freeform nature of podcasts just like there's no like i'm a podcast addict as well and i i, I want it no other way I am. Um, I hesitate to recommend, but there's individual episodes of golf podcasts. There's one that I just I keep going back to was um, the golf subpar, uh, yep. which is a yep. kind of blokey kind of. I don't particularly like the tone of it all, but Xander Shoffley was on that recently, and I, I listened to, to it. Yeah. it I told you to I, listen I, to I, it. I told you, Donny. I remember. I remember it well. It is absolutely phenomenal and just an exercise. And I made, I force fed it down my kids, uh, you know, in terms of uh, just humility. And I'm very, very interested in development, you know, in a kind of use. I mean, I, I, I say uh, US Murph has coached a lot of, so have I. I've coached a lot of youth <laughs> sports. <laughs> but, uh, but just in terms of, you know, what it takes, you know, Shoffley still drives his old Toyota Camry around. Yeah, I, mean, that I heard is, that. Yeah, man, yes, yeah. isn't that amazing, Brew? Because yeah. you know, he said it reminded him of uh, it reminded him of you know, it, you know, of like this could all disappear from. one day, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. keep him like, like, um, um, grounded. One, right? of my, one of my favorite stories of this season was Aaron Rye with his club head covers, and the so the covers that's like a classic faux pas, like, yeah. what's your man doing, yeah. Um, and that it helps him stay grounded because when he first got these club head covers, it was like that was a big deal in his house because they didn't have a yeah. lot growing up. And obviously, and to protect the clubs, which would have been expensive. Exactly. Uh, but yeah. I, I, I mean, if anybody's listening to that, I would really recommend that they go and listen to that Shoffley. In terms of just insight, uh, Shoffley is a, his father is kind of mad, but mm -hmm. he's brilliant. I mean, just a, a, a savant when it comes to development. Well, you, you know, yeah. it was in, uh, what was interesting about uh, Shoffley won the California State Amateur when he was 17. That's a, that's a big tournament. It's a biggie. Yeah. yeah, it's a biggie. Uh, and he could have gone to basically any college and he went to Long Beach State. The, the dirt bags are called. That's the Long Beach State <laughs> dirt bags. And uh, actually, who went there? Uh, uh, a couple. Of, anyway, but uh, and he went there because he knew he'd get a game. He didn't go to you know UCLA or any of these big colleges because he knew he wouldn't get a game. Smart. He went, he went there. Smart. Turn you know, well again, de development you know just development genius really yeah yeah 100 percent. and in terms of looking back then obviously we're at the, the end of the year and people love looking back yep there's loads of topics i'd love to pick your brain on but i'm conscious yeah, of your, sure. your time and we haven't uh, no, we no. haven't even got into saudi golf yet so i want to leave a bit of time oh, for Jesus. that but yeah exactly yep. i could see your i could see the big smile across your face um yeah, no. so I, i'm gonna list out a couple of topics the year that's happened and i want you to pick yep. one and uh yep, sure and, and you can elaborate on it right so we have yep. um maybe the most relevant is Tiger, the Tiger Woods story um, car crash earlier in February and, and his comeback. Yep. John Ram getting to number one, Rory's ups and downs, Phil's major championship win, Brooks versus Bryson, Morikawa winning the open or the, the Ryder cup. Which one of those would, would kind of stand out to you? Oh, Jesus. 
Isn't that amazing? Actually, the ones that are the least interesting to me is the uh, Brooks and and Bryson. Oh, yeah. facts! Well, you are speaking my facts. language, Lawrence. Facts. It's the, probably the most probably language. the most the most publicized thing. Well, after the yeah, Tiger story, obviously the most viewed thing, the most tweeted about thing, and it's literally the most irrelevant crap of the whole year. I, I yeah. totally agree. Yeah, Lawrence, do you know how much time yeah. we gave that week when the the match was on? Do you know how much time yeah. we gave that? Seven seconds. Lads, yeah. we weren't yeah, talking about go. the match. No. Do you? No. no. <laughs> move on? Yeah. Uh, to me, oh, I, I think the Tiger thing is, again, you know, we have moved on. When are we ever going to move on from Tiger? I just think I it's think so interesting. Yeah, it Isn't is. That, what, it, and, and why would we? Because we're probably looking at the greatest ever. I mean, we I are alive we are. at the I same time. Ever, I don't think it's even close. Yeah. We're not even going to get into it or whatever. We can get your opinions later on, but I mean... You know, to compare Nicholas, who played, you know, in an era that there was like probably 25 professional golfers versus Tiger Woods. Look, that's just my opinion on it. Like, you know, as, as I said, like my granddad played golf, as, as you know, and he was a, he was an amateur. He was definitely good enough to play professionally. It's just you had to physically move to the US. It cost a lot of money to like to actually become pro back then. So I just think the two aren't really comparable personally. Nah. Uh, the uh, and you know where does where does the story go from here? Uh, to me, I was so interested last week at that event. I I think he's building a narrative. I think he's. I agree. Uh, you know, people who know a pal of mine, a guy called Robert Lusitich, wrote a really interesting book called Unplayable. Really, two thousand and nine. It was actually the year before the scandal, and he he knows Tiger as well as any journalist, which is i.e. not not a lot, but he knows Steve Williams really well. And Robert's line on Tiger's, Tiger's a bit of a drama queen. You know, he likes a, you know, <laughs> A is a drama, B is a, I've got a terrible accident, obviously, but, you know, he started last week, you know, saying, oh, well, I'm not sure. And then by the end of the week, he's hitting drivers on the driving range. And then today he's announced he's going off to play in this uh, PNC thing. Yep. Yeah, we're breaking news. Um, so I, I guarantee he's looking at next year and people will talk about the Masters. I, I don't think he could contend again. I think that the the topography of Augusta National is just mitigates against him doing well there again. I, I, maybe I'm I'm under I'm overestimating the extent of his injury. But look at St Andrews. You know, this is a guy who absolutely obs- is obsessed with golf history. He knows more about golf history than the four of us put together. He is. Uh, Loves it, you know. For a professional golfer to say, I mean, he said it at his press conference last week. The old course is easily my most favorite golf course in the world. That's, no hesitation. Yeah, yeah. No hesitation. So I mean, he gets it, you know, and he gets that place. And I, I, I think that's the one he's got his eyes on. I, I really, really do. I mean, I, I do. Can think, you imagine? So, so when, when he obviously uh, his like his first media appearances with is with Henny, and then he has the press conference for the hero afterwards. And we spoke about it. And at the time, I was like, listen, like, um, I know Daniel Rappaport asked him about the amputation. He said it was on the table. He gave him the infamous journalist deaths there. And Daniel totally understandably just went, uh, I have no idea what I was talking about. But I think, yeah, he, he knows what he's doing. And even in a week, it seems like it seems like Tiger's rehabilitation in a week is has been would be nine months for a normal person. <laughs> it just seems so. It, it's kind of old. It doesn't add up in a kind of you know in a 
you know, if you were to take it at face value, it's just none of it that kind of no, adds it up. It doesn't. It just doesn't. But, but it, it's part uh, of the. It's part of the just infatuation with him. Like, I, I yeah. don't know what you think about this. This, in my opinion, this ludicrous PIP program with you know, yeah, you know, likes equal dollars in this forty million fund. Yeah. yeah. In yeah. three seconds, Tiger just took. To- well, he would have taken top spot yeah. anyway. But yeah, his gravity is just so enormous that everyone else is a tiny little moon. Even Morikawa, for example, compared to yeah, like a guy winning two majors on his debut, um, more wins than missed cuts, blah blah blah. Tiny speck compared to Tiger, even now. Yeah, and it's incredible. Um, the uh, and of course he's he's a part owner. Of, I can't remember what the launch monitor is called, but he's part of this company that's, that's launched this new launch monitor. Oh yeah, and a little yeah, bit I'm not trying. Yeah, no, I know the one you're talking about. Yeah. Um, the uh, you know the three second video we had to convenient obviously I mean had the launch monitor sitting there so uh, and that was a day after the launch monitor was actually launched I keep on saying launch a lot but anyway <laughs> yeah the interesting thing to me about Tiger is you, you know what motivates him at this stage I'm so you mm. know what, what gets him out of bed is it is it has he got nothing else to do does he need the money Ms. Tiger Woods <laughs> I, I send you where's the money gone I, mm. I you know why is he dragging himself back out there. I mean, you know, yeah, it's, that, it's that was my first question. Like, why, why is there? Why is he not taking a helicopter, a private jet? Why is someone not driving him? Type of thing. You know what I mean? If if you're that, well, there, that well, there is that as well. Well, that's a, the kind of saddest aspect of that story. The crash happened on a Monday morning as he's driving to, uh, to a bad golf course in Los Angeles to give a playing lesson to the comedian David Spade. Is, <laughs> is, that, how, is that well? That's that's the I truth. Mean, and, it, and that was use the was term comedian of, loosely. Well, <laughs> but that was part of it. But that was part of a, a five-year, I think it was $35 million deal he signed with Golf Pass or, mm. you know, some kind of, that, the actual, the, the, the playing lesson is, that was filmed the day before is actually on YouTube. I mean, it's, you know. Yeah, I've seen it. I, it's, just, it's just a kind of, it's a kind of sad, mm. kind of odd, what an, a sad thing to be doing at this stage of his career. I have no mm. idea why he's doing it. I mean, yeah. is he that desperate for money? Um, surely well i mean who who when michael jordan's living in he's built his new golf course and i can't believe it who's drinking guinness that's awesome the, uh, I've been, the I've uh, loosey goosey podcast lawrence yeah, this yeah. is what we do i've been doing Although, it for the last be, hour i'm surprised to be fair honest. it's still the morning in your time so probably all right <laughs> when, when he starts but, uh, doing it at 10 a.m we're having words yeah the um i turn my video the, off uh, but but, but yeah, I'll be interested to see. I mean, interesting to see the kind of arc of that story. Yeah. Um, and I'll be interested to see him next week. Actually, I know. can I just, this is really bugs me while we're on the subject. So he's playing the PNC next week. There'll be, I guarantee you, there'll be a welter of stuff about Charlie will hit some great shot and uh, the, Charlie's the future of golf, which I think is yep. that really, really, but the kid is 12 years old. It's not you know, nice. And, it's it, it's creepy. It's it's, yeah. Well, there's that, but also if you actually go and look, you know, go and look at the junior golf scene, and Charlie can't, you know, and this is a good thing, by the way. I want to say this is a good thing. Charlie can't break eighty. Charlie plays in tournaments and he doesn't break eighty. More often than not, he he, he doesn't break eighty. And to me, because when you're measuring scores for kids at that age, all you're measuring is how much golf has that kid played. Yeah. That's all you're measuring. How. Uh, you know, so t- that suggests to me that Charlie actually has a life, that the golf isn't getting rammed down his throat by his parents, as it so often does 
yeah. in the case of Junior Gong. So I, I, I you know, I, I don't mention the fact the fact that he's not a particularly great player uh, to demean him. I, I think it's a great thing. Yeah. I, and I wish people would, you know, yeah. they won't obviously, but I wish people would kind of lay off, just let the kid, I, I, you know, just I, go and I play. I wonder like, with I wonder with Tiger and his relationship to Charlie, like, so the old adage of you know, um, children are doomed to repeat their parents' mistakes. And if you take Earl and you take maybe, you know, obviously Earl telling Tiger when he's 16, listen, this is way bigger than golf. You're going to change the world in terms of racial equality mm. and, and putting all of this on him that was way beyond the realms of anything normal. You, you just wonder, will, like I saw a quote on Instagram, like Tiger talking about, you know, the next shot is the most important thing in the universe, you know, it, and, and given like advice to charity. I just wonder, will, will that, kind of repeat itself in terms of trying to push uh, well maybe if it if actually he's not a savant in terms of talent then maybe not but i uh i actually interviewed Earl Woods. i, I have a, i have an opinion i have an opinion oh, on Earl Woods. Well. Um, uh, well in the sense in the sense that uh look at richard williams i mean again I, i've been to yeah. compton i bet I, I wrote a piece about the tennis courts where the williams sisters grew up in Compton. i mean that is that's so so central Los Angeles. That is the idea that a, zero. A, a parent wrote. So that a parent could take two girls from that that area and turn them into the two of the best half a dozen tennis players in the history of tennis. Serena's probably the best tennis player, female tennis player ever. Probably the best tennis player ever. The uh, I mean, so you know, but amazing parenting job, just incredible. Uh, Errol Woods. Uh, takes a kid from you know suburban Los Angeles, turns him into the greatest golfer ever, or you know develops him into the greatest golfer ever, and both men are are harangued, are portrayed yeah. as, and you know, and obviously, well, what do they have in common? <laughs> you know, mm. They're both black men. They're both yeah. you know African American men. So I you know I I kind of take you take as you find. I remember rolling up, uh, sadly the now defunct Observer Sports Monthly, rolling up to to a little house. In a suburb in, in a place called uh, Cyprus, near Disneyland, where Tiger, Tiger's childhood home. It's really amazing. You go there, and it's this kind of nondescript little house. But the the door, it's this like twenty five thousand dollar door. And I said to Errol Woods, you go into the, you kind of get ushered in, and the Errol's there's a little living room off to the left side, and you get ushered in, and Errol's sitting on this big barca lounger, like a uh, Fraser Crane's dad. Remember from you? Know, he's had that kind of scruffy old. Yeah. And you go into this little room, and the room is lined with. Tr- tr- I mean, it's all there. It's all there. Uh, you know, the masters. The. I mean, it's the most incredible, incredible room. And I said to Errol, you know, and he's Errol sitting there with soup, and he's smoking, chain smoking, and he's soup, and he stubs out the cigarettes, and he's soup. And you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> but I said to, I said to Errol, what's the, uh, what's the deal with the door? You know, that's a fancy door. He said, "Well, this this place will one be one day be part of the Smithsonian." <laughs> <laughs> so Is he a man, I felt man? it. Should, he... Well, he was he was slightly eccentric. I have to say at that stage, right. but I but again, I mean, dream, dream I mean, big, I, I, I guess. You know, dream he, big, dream dream bigger the, than anyone, and he kind of pulled it off. The uh, the golf writer Tom um, amazing got uh, wrote uh, Tom Callahan wrote a book about Ty uh, his, his, his father's son I think it was called amazing book about Errol Woods uh, who was basically a kind of a fantasist but in a, in a way a savant in terms of development uh, probably a, a terrible husband I mean he went to the Vietnam War and came back with with Tita 
he was married, left to, right, to go yeah. to the Vietnam and came back with Tita. What, what, excuse me. Oh, by the way, I'm divorcing you. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, I, I've lost it. But anyway, it's, 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 you know, I mean, terrible husband, probably a bad father in some ways, but, you know, and obviously, I mean, he, he gave Tiger the, the life that Tiger has. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, he gave, developed Tiger's talent. And in really, really difficult circumstances, because Tiger was a member of the Navy Golf Club, which is close to the childhood home, and this, the racism that Tiger faced there was was hor- was horrendous. Ah, uh, you can't even imagine so, at that that time can, as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, Tiger won. Tiger won the U.S. Amateur when he was 16, uh, 17. Yeah. Anyway, whatever he was, he was seventeen or eighteen, and he went back to the Navy Golf Club and said he wanted to display the U.S. Amateur trophy. And I mean, this is a not a dog shit golf course, but it's not exactly, you know, we're not <laughs> talking Augusta National. Do you want to display the US amateur trophy in the club? club? No, no thanks. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, the uh, Tiger's US amateur trophy ended up being on display at Newport Country Club, which was, you know, he, had, he was a lifetime member there. They gave him a complimentary membership, but it wasn't, exa- it wasn't where Tiger developed his, his yeah. skills and yeah. his genius. That was a Navy golf club, and no, nah, we don't want your trophy. Yeah. Fucking hell! So if we could do a whole a whole podcast on on Tiger Woods, I think and just pick picture his life. But yeah. uh, if we're looking forward, then Lawrence quickly to to next year, and I know he yeah. used to do a, a bit of a so we we've a betting angle on on our podcast as well. We like All to right, pick okay. out some winners, and I know he used to do a bit of bit of write up for Paddy Power. Um, yeah. So if you're going to pick out any of our listeners, maybe some anti post bets for next season. So we have obviously the Masters at Augusta, the PGA at Southern Hills, the US Open. Uh, at Brookline and then the Open at the Old Course. Is there any any one bet that kind of because I know that the two the two boys, Brew and Donny, they're all about John Ram winning the Masters. They just don't, don't shut up about it. Yeah. Is there, is there anyone that stands out to you as just like this is the guy to to back or to follow next season or any specific? I uh, uh, well, well I, if you're looking for value, I, I, I oh, this sounds crazy. I would put a, a small wager on on Tiger for the Open. <laughs> I, said, I mean, I get. Well, that'd be the I, one, I, wouldn't know, it? That would be, be the one. one. And, yeah. I mean, that's the one he's looking at. Uh, you know, he, again, there's so much you know, variability at the Open. You know, if he gets a decent draw, if he gets lucky with the weather, whatever. But, you know, that will be the one he, he's looking at. I, I think Morikawa might be the one, to be honest. I, I, I'm i not sure the master suits. I think that golf course is a very big golf course for him. Yeah. I, I don't know what his record is there. I don't, I don't think he's played it that often, I would imagine. Um. But for them, you know, somebody like Matt Wolf might have a chance at Augusta. But Ram is a is a great bet. Though, but I, I think Morikawa at certainly at Southern Hills. I mean, that golf course is right up his street. Mm-hmm. That is, you know, that's he can plot his way around there. Ball strikers golf course. I mean, I think that's probably the, the surest bet. Uh, you know, if you had to single one out, I mean, it's not exactly a glamorous event. Yeah. Uh, Brooke, Brookline again is. I mean, that threatens to be a. That threatens to be a, a, a you know Bryson something like that you know you maybe another wing foot depending on how the US USGA set it up. Yeah, um, we have Morikawa at sixteen to one for the the, the one uh, I'm most bullish on, and it's totally reinforced. Even though like yeah. Victor Hovland's now getting this oh resort yeah. golfer, no, he is insane. I think Victor Hovland's temperament is what wins him the US Open. I'm not saying it's Brookline, I think it could be, but the way he can be totally zen when he's just made a, a double bogey. Yeah. Like he's got yeah. the right head game for US Open, where bogeys are are often found, and you just have to deal with it. 
the uh, the other thing about the US Open is, uh, you know, it's a great lever when it comes to chipping. It was hard for great chippers, yeah. great yeah. short, yeah, to to delineate themselves from from the bad ones, you know, because they're, you know, it's just a slash and get it out on the green and, so and hope for the luck best. involved in 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 yeah. lies and contacts and yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there is, yeah, yeah, it is odd that Hovland seems to do, a guy from Norway doing really well in Bermuda grass all the time. It seems very, very strange. It's a college career, I suppose. Well, I, I, I guess, I guess that's what it is. Actually, there's a very quick, you know, if somebody, there's some great college podcasts. Uh, his um, coach at Oklahoma State is a guy called Alan Bratton. If you just type in golf podcast Alan Bratton and you, you know, really interesting cat as well. He talks a lot about Hovland, and it is, it is, it is his mental the mental side of the game is mm-hmm. is a, a real strength for him. Perfect. Uh, which is which I was going to say, which is really odd given his love for death metal and I mean, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, he seems like a, he just he's so he's so chilled out. He's almost horizontal. I love him. He's he's going to be a major asset for Team Europe now as well for the next twenty years. Um, I, I, you were you were saying this as the the. Uh, Morikawa sixteen to one for sixteen to one for I think both the US and the PGA. If my yeah, uh, fourteen for the PGA, sixteen for the US. Yeah, that makes that makes sense to me. So something like that, you know. Perfect. Right, we'll all lump on it, and uh, we'll obviously follow oh, up if he loses for. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you uh, a fifty a fifty percent refund. How about perfect. That? Or just a fifty percent off of Keller Golf. You know what I mean? Perfect. There we'll, you go. Uh, we'll agree to that. Uh, and to finish on, obviously, a, a very positive note, Lawrence. Uh, we'll, we'll jump out across to to Saudi. Uh, the the whole <laughs> golf situation that's going on now. So I think you're probably the best man to maybe, if if someone listening hasn't really followed it or doesn't really know what's going on, like what what's happening right now with with this Saudi breakaway golf league. Can you give us like a, a, an overview before we kind of pick your brain on it? Well, it's very, 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 very complicated. Uh, it really is because there's kind of three entities, but let's just, the PGL, the Premier Golf League was there. That's kind of been brushed to one side. So we're basically down to two competing camps. You've got the PGA Tour slash uh, European Tour on the one side, and then you have the Saudi Golf Outfit who have just bought the Asian Tour. Um, but Saudi Golf... Uh, the the look they want to be setting up basically in, in competition with uh, with the PGA Tour. Um, they announced Greg Norman as the commissioner. Uh, actually, a bit of a bit of an inside scoop here. They were meant to announce players. They were meant to announce the league last week, and nothing and nothing. Silence. The players are terrified t- of of bans, and 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 well, uh, well, what I understand. Well, maybe that's not the case, but that's from the outside looking in. I don't think the PGA Tour can do it anyway. But if there's no, if there was a if there was a five percent risk of a you do this, there's no going back, and your participation in iconic events is under threat, then I'd say a lot of players will be. And the, it's a pure well, disaster too. Well, I mean, well, a couple of things to say. Yeah. Well, the PGA Tour doesn't have access to the iconic events. You know, they don't decide who plays in the Masters. They don't decide who plays in the Open. They don't decide who plays in the PGA uh, Championship um, uh, or the US Open. But but what is interesting is just the money flooding in. So, you know, and who will jump? Who Who is going to jump? You know, if I'm saying, if I'm, ju- you know, who's going to jump to the Saudi Golf League? Because the guaranteed money for the top players is astonishing. From what I'm hearing, it's you know 30, 40 million. Yep. You know, if I'm Justin Rose, I've won my major, I have access to uh, 
the Saudi Golf uh, competition, you know, because they are, you know, they've got they they bought the Asian Tour, so there's there's world ranking points available. So you might be denied world ranking points from playing on the PGA Tour, but you can still get access to world ranking points. So that's pretty smart from the Saudis. But the it main is. point is the money is the money and how money is transforming uh, the landscape of professional golf. I don't think so. If, the top, the money that's been talked about is you know 35, 40 million. If I'm Justin Rose, I'm on the, the the other side of 40, and I think he's 40 years old. Justin Rose, he's made his money, he's won his major. You know, why would you not? You know, if somebody wants to 3x your income for very little disruption, uh, you know, I mean, it must be very, very tempting, especially yeah. when you have no not to pick on Justin Rose, and there are obviously ethical issues involved you know, and taking Saudi money. There's ethical issues involved in going to Abu Dhabi for the Abu Dhabi Championship on the European yeah, Tour. Yeah. Dubai doesn't exactly have a, an unblemished record in, in human rights. Yeah, and uh, China, we have so two events in China now as well next year, which is obviously big in the news with the, obviously the tennis player and, and that yeah. all that stuff. So it's like, wh- where do you draw the line? Where is sport and where, where does politics come into it? And that, That's what we've been speaking about at length. And I, I'm pretty outspoken in this. And it's something I'm trying to figure out in my own head is this, um, how many degrees of separation are enough for your moral compass not to go into a tailspin? So like, you, you, like, so for example, as a consumer of the Premier League, now that the Saudis are involved in Newcastle, like, is, mm-hmm. is, do I have an ethical dilemma in terms of supporting that when when we know not just the uh, Jamal Khashoggi case, we know about 250, 300 critics of the Saudi regime that are either missing in jail and all sorts of horrible things going on. Like, how far away, like, if you're Justin Rose, you're pretty close there, like, in terms of, if you're going to say, yeah, I'm going to champion Saudi Gulf, you're pretty close to the the core of of what's a pretty evil regime and and like i i wouldn't like it's easy for me to say i'm not a professional golfer yeah, yeah. There's, there's, under no circumstance like if if we're in a situation where the saudis come to us with the podcast and say hey um come on over we want to wine you down you play a couple of courses yeah. meet and greet people blah blah i'm i'm not going i'm not going I'm not saying Steve Brew shouldn't go. I go. go. I would go. Oh, I'm yeah. just not I go and check it out. As a, as a as a as a you know, and, and I heard Miguel Delaney speak out about this as well, and and he said that the Qatar World Cup is he going to cover it? Of course, he's going to go and cover it because it's his it's his duty. Uh, now I can see you there. You're itching to come back. Can, I, can we get your take on it, Lawrence? Like, what, what's your thought on it as a player slash journalist? And what 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 are you? Well, well, the decision for a journalist is, is easy. You, you obviously you go and cover it. You, 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 of course you do. I mean, would you not go and cover a, a war that you disagreed with? Of course you would. So, as the, a player, the context, the context is, I was in to go there as a like, you go there as a proper journalist. Well, yeah, it's it's the same argument yeah. Miguel Delaney has with Qatar. Yes, you report what is occurring, but this would be under an assumption that you're going there to take part in this promotion this this big marketing yeah. rally that's that's why i wouldn't be going so just you know like yeah it, it, if you go there as a journalist with integrity a1 of course you do uh, well I'd, I'd probably just to draw a bail over but you know it's easy for us you're right there's the you know it's easy for us to say well i wouldn't if i was a player i wouldn't be doing it well, well we're not in the players 
you know, I, if I'm a player, I could really very easily rationalise going. I mean, it would be very easy for me to say for the reasons that we've just outlined. You know, well, I've been going to Qatar for years. I've played in the Qatar Masters for years, and they have religious police roaming around, you know, whipping, you know, throwing homosexuals in jail and, you know, forcing women to do the X, Y, and Z, or whatever. Uh, so I could rationalise it in that sense. You know, nobody is cleaning this this business. This is what kind of bothers me. I mean, I really have, I love and admire Rory, but it's kind of, you know, nobody's clean. Yeah. You know, and it's easy for, I mean, Rory's, from from what you can gather, Rory is making an absolute fortune off the golf course through wise investments. Good on him. But it's easy for, you know, but nobody's clean. You know, yeah. Rory will be playing in Abu Dhabi, I think, in January, and, you know, yeah. they're not yeah. clean. Yeah, so, no, exactly. Anyway. So is it fair to say, Larry, would you be anti this Saudi Gulf League, oh, or would you be, would you be pro? Well, I'm anti it for all, all sorts of reasons. One, I think it'll be quite boring. Uh, you know, I mean, yeah. I have no interest in watching you know Justin Rose bash it out with you know Dustin Johnson bashing out with you know uh, the format. I mean, I know they've got this this t- the team format seems quite. Uh, that's probably the most interesting it's thing about it. Yeah. Is, yeah, it is. yeah, it's intriguing. So I would be interested to see how that works. But you know, certainly not. You know, in terms of, I mean, I'm an old lefty. You know, I'm not. I'm not going to. You know, if I'm the Joe Blow professional golfer, I'm not going to the South. I don't care how much money they give me. I'll, I'll make my money somewhere else. Uh, there's plenty of it around. I'll go and play on a European tour. Uh, I'll go and play on the PGA tour. I don't. I don't really need. You know, how much money? Um, yeah, again, easy for me to say. How much money do you need? Probably more than I've got. But uh, no, I don't need. I don't need Saudi blood money. Exactly. Yeah. No. And uh, last question for you on it. Then I don't. I don't know if you have any. But um, yeah. In terms of what's going to happen next, are we are we going to see this breakaway league happen? Do you think yeah. it's just going to? You do. It's not going to be like the oh, the, soup, the super league where it, it all collapses in a heap. I, I I really don't think so. I think these you know these people are determined. Uh, they have a plan. They clearly have a plan. Uh, you know, as I say, I think there was an announcement of players. Uh, was meant to come. It's been delayed. I, I don't think that'll be delayed for much. I see Greg Norman's got his shark shootout thing this weekend. I would imagine there'll be some sort of movement around this weekend on you know players being identified. I mean, they're meant to be starting in in the spring. I mean, the first event's meant to be in the spring. Yeah. You know, and what you find with these money, it is a it is a bottomless pit. It really is a bottomless pit, and they are they do seem determined to make it work. Uh, might take a little bit longer than they, they probably want, but uh, I think it's certainly going to happen, yeah. Good to know. And we'd like to finish, Lawrence, on a, a couple of quick-fire questions for you. Sure, um, yeah. And we'll, we'll wrap it up from there then. So um, if we're going to... F- first question is, favourite golf course you've ever played? Oh, Cypress Point. Played it on a... On a uh, I played it with US Murph, believe it or not. <laughs> no way. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love uh, how full I, circle I, this podcast is. Exactly, exactly yeah. yeah. I swear to God, it's. Uh, I'm a huge fan, a lover of uh, strategy and golf courses, but but also, but more importantly, a place we played on a Sunday afternoon and the fog had rolled in on the Monterey Peninsula, and it, and I swear to goodness, it was almost like a re- religious experience. It was astonishing. <laughs> I mean, a really, really great. And my other, my other is Critch Island. I don't know if you've ever heard of Critch Island in Donegal. No, oh, yeah, golf course. I do know it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, out, out by the golf, out by the airport. Uh, I mean, I, I'm a. I mean, I lived in Donegal. I'm a huge fan of Donegal. I love the, you know, I've lots of friends in Donegal. Uh, 
the boys, uh, Frank and John Casey at Ross Apenna Open St. Patrick's Links there this year, this summer. Uh, it's an, an, an Straight astonishing in, uh, number 40 something in the top 100 golf courses. 50, 50, 55, yeah. And, a, 55. and absolutely, again, I love those guys. I love their vision. I love their commitment to the local community. I love a commitment to the local economy. What a vision they've got and they've pulled it off. I'm so proud of them. Uh, so, uh, so I would recommend going playing St. Pat's and then going up and playing Crooch Island, the, the best nine-hole golf course in the world. And I will brook no argument on that. An amazing spot. That sounds like our Fairway Finders Invitational for next year, Donny. Venue sorted up, doing, up in Donegal. We're doing Waterville this weekend in probably oh, nice. 50 mile an hour winds. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it should be fun. So I've been practicing my stingers. The update on that is I still can't hit one. Ah, yeah. uh, keep, keep watching them YouTube videos. You'll, you'll get the hang of it. Yeah. Uh, question two, quick, Lawrence, is uh, what's yep. going to happen first? Rory wins Augusta or Tiger wins uh, a PGA Tour event? Jeez, that's an absolute belter, isn't it? Ah, yeah. well, anyway, Rory's only got one go at it. That's a problem. You know, he's only get one go a year. Yeah. Tiger's probably going to have yeah. yeah. Uh, if you're a bet, uh, uh, oh, even money, uh, even money both ways, where's your money going? I would have to take Tiger winning a PGA Tour event. Really? Yeah, because I've been, you know, in the next two years, Tiger's probably going to play 20 PGA Tour events. You'll find some golf course somewhere that will suit him. Yeah. And and you'll get you've got a few breaks here and there. Rory's only got two two masters in that time. I, I would still, love I, it though. I, I fancy. I, I would love it. Rory is a unicorn. I really do. Like I, I want Rory to win the green jacket so bad, but it just it yeah. feels too much like it's his unicorn. And just it like the, the uh, I'm, I'm not same thing. I'm not so sure because he's got a great record. I was there. I I think about this often because a, a parent of a a young golfer. I I can't watch. I don't never go and watch my kid. I can't. I can't for all sorts of. But one of the reasons I'm too nervous. I always think of the two, the Sunday of the 2011 Masters and Rory's teeing off with a four-shot lead ah, and Jerry, Jerry was Jerry was walking in front of us and we were falling around and, and I always think, so Rory three putts the first and then on the second he hits it in the bunker on the right and then hits a lip of the bunker with getting his shot out and I'm just thinking, God, if I, you know, if that was my kid, I, I think about it often, the kind of agony that his father must have ah, been going yeah. through watching it. Uh, now Rory's got a good record at Augusta. I wouldn't, you know, I, I'm not, a, you know, does he play well when when the time comes? You, you know, he has played well out there in the past. If he gets his sniff, you know, he, he could still take one. I'm sure. Yeah, I like the sound he of just, that. He just needs to get himself in the tournament. He he loves a backdoor top yeah. ten with Sunday sixty six at Augusta. That's his. Yeah, that's yeah. His he, he, he loves a 75, 76 on a Thursday or a Friday. Exactly. Yeah. My last question, Lawrence, and my favorite is uh, you can go for a point with three golfers from the current or past European or PGA Tour. Who, who are you going out on a on a bar stool with? Well, one the first one is Ian Poole. Really? Yeah, I tell you, he gets such a bad rap. Poole's a bit of a decent lad, actually. Go yes, his book decent... is amazing. His book is phenomenal. Uh, um. The uh, just a decent guy. I mean, I'm sure people have got to tell you different stories, but but I've always found them dead decent. You know, I remember uh, after a couple of events, you know, you're at some big event, and you know, and you feel like a spare part. And Pula would always come over, you know, chat away and all that. 
decent guy, you know. Yeah. Again, I'm sure he rubs people up the wrong way. So Puller, Puller would definitely be one. Mackenzie, Alistair Mackenzie would be another one. What made you think of that? <laughs> Some reason. <laughs> this is Cypress Point joint. It's pretty, pretty decent spot. Uh, other than that, probably Herb Warm Wind, the writer, something like that. You know, the guy, you know, the guy who could, you know, well, he was the guy who came up with the Amen Corner. We seem to be talking about Augusta yeah, yeah. a lot. Yeah. He's probably the, the best golf writer. I did get to meet Dan Jenkins, was my favorite golf writer of all time. All time. But I got to meet Actually, we did. Huggy and I interviewed Dan Jenkins for our podcast. So, uh, so yeah, yeah. So I, I, got, I would probably be Dan Jenkins, but he's dead. Well, I, I got to meet him. Uh, probably Herb Warm Wind, Alistair McKenzie, and Ian Puller. There's, there's of, a four a, ball. What a session. What a session. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, can, can you imagine what, what would Herb Warm Wind make of uh, Ian Puller? Yeah. With, with, with you the have, pants to in, you have to come in wearing the pants. Yeah. 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 100%. Any questions from you, Danny? I only have one. I love just love this question. Is just aesthetically, or not even doesn't have to be your favorite swing you've ever seen of anyone. It could be a bloody club golfer that you played with. This is an odd one. People won't have heard of this because I was been thinking about it yesterday. It just goes to show you golf. You never know. The best golf swing I've ever seen is a, is a woman called Andrea Lee. Andrea Lee was a player at Stanford. She graduated maybe three years ago. I was talking uh, Beth Ann. Uh, um, oh God, Beth anyway, the, the woman who covers the LPG tour on Golf Week posted this swing of Andrea Lee about three or four years ago, and I swear to God, and I we'd go down and watch her, just watch her swing the golf club. It was absolutely incredible. Anyway, I'm looking yesterday at the LPGA qualifying school, and uh, Andrea Lee misses; she's out. She didn't make it. Oh. And I, I, which you you know, and you just think, God, it's, golf's about more than swinging a golf club. Yeah, but True. you know, you asked a question. Who, who's my, you know, Jimmy Bruin's got a pretty decent swing. Does anybody know any connection with Jimmy Bruin? No, or? never, <laughs> never heard <laughs> of him. Mate. To be honest, yeah. I don't know who that is. Yeah, yeah we we'll look him up on uh, Google. <laughs> yeah, Google. But, but yeah, just you know, aesthetically, you know, it was again, I've probably just been a bit obscure, but Andrew, but it is amazing. It kind of tells a story in itself. You know, you can you can swing can look as nice as you know, like a like a Picasso. But you yeah. gotta get the ball in the hole, haven't you? That's it, hundred percent. Well, R- Rory obviously naturally gets a lot of votes for that question. Unbelievable. Mine, yeah. Mine's a bit obscure. I don't even think it's that obscure. My favorite swing is Annie Van Dam's. I, that's oh yeah, that's pretty good. That's a work. Well, she did. She she did. She did make the cut this week at the LPGA. <laughs> yes. So she's just, on. Was, she's a. She's on. on second. When when she just just similar to Justin Rose actually missed out in the Solheim Cup, um, uh, just by a tiny margin, and I was gutted. Yeah. Well, hopefully she. I'm actually. I was astonished she was actually playing in the LPG qualifying tournament. I, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Again, just because you can swing it as good as you like, but if you don't get the ball in hole, you're you're toiling. Exactly. That's yeah. It. And before we let you go, Lawrence, can you just remind us one more time of McKellar and and the the yeah, discount that's available sure. to, um, to the listeners? Uh, so uh, McKellarMagazine.com and the discount code is Quad Twenty. That's Q U A D. Two zero quad twenty Michaela magazine dot com. Thanks for letting me do that. Beautiful. Oh, go and do it. Thanks everybody. for it. That's yeah, the, best, uh, the best investment you could possibly make. Yeah. It's not going to cost you very much. Yeah. Well, we, we really appreciate it, Lawrence. We uh, we'll let you get on with your day there in uh, yeah cloudy cloudy California, by the sounds of it. And uh, if, yeah. you, if you bump into US Murph, tell him we're, we're big fans of his. Yeah, and uh, absolutely. We'll, we'll we'll have you on again when Rory wins in uh, in April, right? <laughs> There you go. All the best. Thanks. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, thanks, thanks Larry. Pleasure. Pleasure.
Take care. So, okay, I got I got a run, okay? See you later. Good morning. Good Thank you very much. All the best. Just take a moment to admire the fact I just hit a fairway. There's, there's, there's only two things that can happen. You can hit a good shot or a bad shot, so why waste time doing it? And wherever I go, I, wherever I set course records or whatever, I would be barefooted, drunk, playing golf, making every 20-footer I looked at. Right at it. Right at it! Home! Oh, He's space. done it again! This is the dumbest hole I've ever played in my life. Come on then, Shane. Knock it close. Shane Lowry is the Open champion.